Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Jenny, I'd be willing to take a guess that right now you have more clothing than you actually need in your apartment. Am I right? That is definitely a correct statement. And if you're anything like me, you probably have a pile of stuff that you want to get rid of, donate or trash it, and you just don't wear it anymore. Does that sound familiar? Yes, especially after I did the whole Marie condoing of my apartment. Yeah, that's the story for a lot of people. Apparel's one of the only things that's actually gotten cheaper over the last several years in the U.S. And fast fashion companies like Forever 21 and Zara encourage consumers to buy cheap, on-trend clothes that they can think of as disposable. Once you're done, you get rid of it. That might seem like a great thing for people who like clothes and shopping, but there's a downside to this piling up of cheap garments. I'm Lindsay Rupp. And I'm Jenny Kaplan. Today on Material World, we're talking about how sustainability and recycling is growing in an industry that spent decades encouraging people to continually upgrade their wardrobes all the time. We have young girls today on a Saturday afternoon. They just go and buy a dress for a party and then they discard it. Women my age, you know, middle-class women, they would go to a fast fashion brand to buy the latest look, um, coat or trousers, uh, without even really caring for the garment that they're buying. And whether that garment lasts a season or more, they don't really think about it. So why would you buy it? Because it's cheap. Olivia Firth, creative director of EcoAge from the 2015 documentary The True Cost. It is true that when I'm finished with clothes, even clothes that are in good shape, I'm never really sure what to do with them. Should I donate them? If I do, where do those donations actually go? With millions of pounds of extra clothes around, one New Yorker saw an opportunity. The first waste characterization study of New York City came out as we were doing this project to collect used clothing, and I saw that about 400 million pounds of textiles head for our New York City residential waste stream every year. And I was like, the entrepreneur in me (laughs) said, wait, there's an opportunity. If you just multiply that by the the market rate of these per pound clothing, uh, there's a $150 million opportunity there. That's Adam Barukowitz, founder of Wearable Collection, a company that makes it easier to recycle apparel in New York City by distributing collection bins and facilitating the actual collection process. I was actually a day trader back in 2000, and one of my best friends and partners was hit by a car and was paralyzed during that time. And um, while we were trying to get him back on his feet, we were doing all these sort of fundraisers for spinal cord research. And I also had another friend from Chile who was in the uh, used clothing 
recycling business. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about the opportunities. And I saw a bag being left on my hall when I lived uh, in the village. That was my light bulb moment. It doesn't really make sense to pick up one bag at a time, but maybe if there was a bin here, so I put two and two together, maybe we could raise funds for spinal cord research through the collection of clothing. As of 2015, wearable collections had accumulated 10 million pounds of clothing. We place bins inside of buildings. We have um, collections at the green market programs, with the green market programs. And then we also do tons of drives with schools and different corporations as well. And once it's collected, we put it on a truck and then we bring it to a sorting facility who then processes it from that point on. So we're really the front end educating the public on the need to recycle their clothing. And then also we handle the logistics to the point where it gets to the sorting facilities. And it basically is processed at these sorting facilities and broken down into different grades, hundreds of different grades, uh, whether it's men's, women's, children's, winter, spring, and just different levels like A, B, C, D, E of just the quality of it. And uh, from there, it's shipped to different markets around the world where there's a demand for our affordable access to our pre-loved clothing. But they're not the only game in town for people to use for recycling clothing. Goodwill and Salvation Army take donations. Consumers can resell at a site like ThreadUp. And a lot of retailers have started textile recycling programs, from bringing your old denim to Madewell to recycling any kind of clothing at Swedish fast fashion giant H&M. Let's take a closer look at H&M. They've collected 43,000 tons of garments since they started their recycling program in 2013. That's the equivalent of 196 million t-shirts, according to Cecilia Stromblad-Branson, H&M sustainable business expert. I think it's H&M we see that we need to change the way that fashion is made and enjoyed today. We cannot really continue uh, to produce and use uh, textiles and materials in the same way, but we need to decouple our growth and then the growth of the industry as such uh, from the use of, of finite virgin materials. So we really see that we need this systemic change uh, in the in the fashion industry. And that's something that we will feel that if we don't make this change, uh, we will not be successful in the future. If we continue to use the resources that we do in the same way as we do today, there will not be enough cotton, for example, there will not be enough oil-based polyester because there will be a too hard competition in terms of, uh, of resource use with increased population and the increased demand. So we really see that we need to move away from, from the way that fashion is made and enjoyed today and we need to move away from the use of finite virgin resources and, and replace those with recycled where possible. So we also said that we want to prioritize recycled materials wherever we can, and complement that with materials that have been sustainably sourced. For H&M, sustainability is good business. For example, 43% of the cotton H&M uses is sourced sustainably, and they have a goal that by 2020, all of their cotton will be sustainably sourced. So we collaborate with a partner called iCollect, and they have the infrastructure to, to sort and, and recycle these goods for all our markets in different parts of the world. They sort the goods for best possible new use. So if something is reusable, it will be sold as vintage or secondhand on the secondhand market. Uh, and if that's not possible, maybe something else can be made out of it. It could be upcycled perhaps into, I think, a new type of product, a new garment, or it could be made into cleaning clothes. 
Uh, and if that's not possible, that's where we really want these goods to be recycled. And of course, in what we want in the long term is that they will be textile to textile recycled into raw material that we can use for our future products. What we collect more than 98% is either reused uh, or recycled. Many apparel companies recognize the need to make their products more environmentally friendly, even if it isn't the main reason that customers actually buy their products. There are a lot of chemicals and resources used in the stuff that makes your clothes, from cotton to polyester blends to leather. One solution? Just use less. Here's what designer Stella McCartney had to say in The True Cost about why she doesn't use leather anymore. You know, it's very harmful. The implications of that are very unsustainable. We can't maintain that. The water that is being used is inefficient. The land that is being used, the grain that is being used to feed the animals. And on top of that, it's just extraordinarily cruel. Another company that's really gotten into the business of sustainability is Timberland, the company that makes the famous yellow boots popular with construction workers and teens. They've partnered with textile maker Thread to produce a line of bags, shoes, and T-shirts made with fabric that comes from recycled bottles. I went to Haiti after the earthquake in 2010, and originally I was just going to take pictures. And when I got there, the two things I saw the most of were poverty and trash. And I wrote in my journal, in fact, if Haiti could turn trash into money equals good. Now, fast forward five years, we've got a company that takes trash and creates jobs and turns it into fabric. That's Ian Rosenberger, founder and CEO of Thread. The, the basic process is it starts as a bottle in the very poorest neighborhoods we can find, um, and, and then it's, it's picked up or saved. It moves through a, a production process where it's ground up, washed up into like flake, we call it flake. And then once you, that flake uh, is melted down and pulled out through what looks like a giant Play-Doh extruder, just way more expensive and heavier, uh, it, it really acts a lot like wool. So we can do whatever we want with it um, that you would do with wool. So you can throw it through spinning and weaving machines that have been around for hundreds of years. Picking up trash is good for the planet. But even beyond that, Thread has made an effort to make their manufacturing process green. Over half of the fabric used on the planet is polyester. Um, it comes directly from a barrel of oil. So polyester, as we know know it, is, is pulled out, refined from oil. Um, so, so when we pick it up off the ground once it's been a bottle and, re- and use it again, um, first we're eliminating the need to pull anything out of the ground, right? We're just reusing something that's already been there. So that cuts a lot of energy costs in, uh, significantly. And then beyond that, um, the process itself, uh, because it's so regional, um, it, it's produced in, within a couple hundred miles of where it's actually turned into fabric. So um, those two combined create a system where we're actually net carbon savings which is exciting. Um, it also opens up this enormous, what we call natural resource, because plastic bottles are all over the ground, everywhere on the planet, particularly in low-income communities. So there's this renewable resource that we're not really paying attention to that we believe should be picked up and used. Ian worked with Margaret Mori Roynart, Director of Strategic Partnerships and Business Development at Timberland, to develop the product line. While the connection to thread and recycling in Haiti makes for a great narrative around the products, it isn't necessarily the primary selling point. Generally speaking, the reason why I would have been interested likely without the Haiti connection is that as an outdoor lifestyle brand, Timberland, Timberland we're constantly trying to find ways to source um, materials responsibly for the materials that go into our products. We actually have uh, internal goals called TEPS, or Timberland Environmental Product Standards, 
and everyone in the organization is accountable at some level for helping us achieve those goals. And one of those goals is um, in by the year 2020, we want to have uh, recycled organic and or renewable materials in 100% of our products. So we look for like-minded partners like Thread to develop new materials and technologies to help us reach those goals. And um, the, one of the things I really appreciated about uh, Ian and the material that, that results from their efforts is the fact that it doesn't allow us to have to sacrifice performance or style, which is a very important element when you're talking about making outdoor lifestyle products in the form of footwear or apparel. Thread and Timberland both agree that investing in sustainability isn't just the right thing to do, it's also really good business. It's definitely uh, something that's resonating with consumers so far. We've received really strong sell-through so far on the products, and we've experienced some really great consumer engagement through. They're spending more time on the um, thread pages on our website, and we're also getting positive feedback from consumers on our uh, social media channels. So I I do believe that consumers care. Um, I do believe also that we're at a precipice of people wanting more transparency in understanding the provenance of the products that they buy. And so hopefully we're at at the beginning of a tipping point here, and this will become the norm for us rather than the exception. We're reframing the conversation around what it means for something to be sustainable. Forever, people are always asking, like, how can sustainable fashion be cheaper? How can it get cheaper? How can it get cheaper? And it's really like, actually, how much value can you create? Like, how do we create goods that actually are valuable to people? And what does that look like? So when you really drill into it, and we had the chance to do this with Timberland and now other partners, you start to see that what the consumer, what the person that's actually buying the boot really cares about. And while social and environmental good are certainly on the list, that's not the purchase driver. Right? The driver is, first, does it cost the, the right price? And, and then second, does the good look good? Um, does it look good on me? And then finally, can I trust the brand? I know Margaret can speak to the price points at Timberland. Um, They're about the same as they normally are um, with other products. But I'll say that when we approach a brand, we demand a premium on the product. Because, you know, at Thread, we like to say commodity in, commodity out, right? If you're just buying stuff off the rack that doesn't have any value, um, there's no reason for us to be sitting here in front of you. So we ask brands, like, you're using recycled material. Like, how are you getting paid for it? You know, why is it valuable to you? Are you selling more goods because of it? Are you selling more at, at full price? And ultimately, a brand has no, generally does not know, you know, whether recycled material or not is helping them. Most times, it's a, we're checking this box because we think it's the right thing to do, and we hope that it has some value for us, but we don't know how, which is easy to see, right? Like, when consumers aren't buying on it, it's very hard to drill down and see if recycled is actually better. So when we, when we pitch a brand, we say, look, we believe by working with us that you're going to increase brand loyalty, you're going to increase things like time on site, lower bounce rate, better storytelling, and ultimately, that's going to lead to higher sell-through. So that's, you know, right now what's happening with, with Timberland. We're really proud to be making a business case for good. I'm kind of sick of brands that are, that, you know, in, input brands that are just trying to say, oh, well, it's just recycled and that should be enough. It's not enough. More than anything, shoppers want something that looks great at a reasonable price. That puts the burden on companies to figure out how they can minimize their environmental impact while still delivering a product people actually want to buy. At Levi Strauss and Company, that means understanding the full life cycle of its products, like the iconic 501 jeans. So if we think about how a pair of Levi's 501s is made, we've actually done the scientific study of the entire life cycle 
of a pair of 501s from all the way from the raw materials, you know, growing cotton through manufacturing and distribution and finally consumer use. Michael Kabori is Vice President of Environmental Sustainability at Levi Strauss & Co. We have looked at where is the most water used, for example, or where are the most chemicals used, or energy. The biggest impacts when you uh, look at these, uh, these key resources is, number one, growing the cotton. Growing the cotton uses about 68% of all of the water in the total life cycle of the product. Water is rapidly becoming a very precious commodity all around the world. And so one of the things that we focus on in our manufacturing process is how can we manufacture Levi's using less water? And so a few years ago, our design team started recognizing the importance of water and challenged our production people to say, how can we get the same look, you know, the same aesthetic on the garment using less water? And so what our production people did was came up with 23 different techniques that all use less water. And we are able to save up to 96% of the water that we use in the production phase. And we call this our water-less product, product that uses less water. And today, 55% of all of the Levi's that we manufacture are done using these processes that use less water. And our goal by 2020 is to get that number to 80% of all of our products. A big part of making apparel sustainable is educating the consumer. A vintage pair of Levi's can be resold for more than their initial value, for example. The company also encourages customers not to wash their jeans very often, to conserve water, and to make them last longer. Really, the second biggest uh, area uh, of impact is consumer use. All of us, as we wash and dry the product during the time that we own it. So in uh, every pair of Levi's products that we sell, we have a, what's known as a care tag that gives you know, care instructions. What we say on our care tag is wash less, wash cold, line dry, and donate when no longer needed. For all apparel retailers, including Levi's, the industry's at the very beginning of finding solutions to make environmentally friendly clothing the standard. I've been working in the industry uh, for about 20 years. My hope is that within another 20 years, this will become the norm and that uh, most Certainly, most global brands will be operating in a much more sustainable way. We will uh, be coming close to having true closed-loop systems or circular economies. So that means that product um, that is old and no longer usable is recycled into new product. And, of course, the vision there is, you know, one day we may no longer need to harvest our raw materials from the cotton fields. We can harvest our raw materials from people's closets. exciting things starting to happen to make fashion a greener industry. And it's happening in other industries, too. 
For example, lots of beverage companies like Coca-Cola and PepsiCo and Anheuser-Busch are really emphasizing the need to create sustainable water initiatives. For them, it's more than just making the planet green. It's really necessary because if they don't have water, they can't have their main products. Right, and the fashion industry is really going beyond the traditional idea of using green projects as promotional tools. They're starting to do this because they've been backed into a corner and realized that their resources are finite. And to keep producing the massive amount of products that they want to make and sell to consumers, they have to seriously look into things like recycling. To that point, a lot of major retailers are announcing commitments to use better materials, reduce their use of harmful chemicals, and create less waste. Just before Earth Day in April, Gap committed to getting 100% of its cotton from more sustainable sources and to making 80% of Athleta's clothes with sustainable fibers within five years. And even with these changes on the horizon, we didn't even talk today about the people, mostly women, who are making your clothes and what their lives are like and the impact of this industry on them. Longer term, it's going to take customers changing their consumption habits and demanding more from the industry to really accelerate change. Adam from Wearable Collections touched on this. Without getting too abstract, I think we are... uh more reactionary than proactive consumers and humans in general. So I think until there's a, a shortage of, of materials or is there something that really like faces us or more information comes out, you know, I mean, it's been reported that the fashion industry is the second most pollutive industry, you know, next to oil. And I think when, when that gets into your head, you, you think twice about it. There, I think there are a lot of things that could come into play And, uh, you know, there's a whole new generation coming up that may just put more value on used stuff rather than, you know, new products that are being shoved down their throats. Still, the business case is there for investing in green initiatives if you believe your company is going to be around in several decades. It's a long game play for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Material World. Check out our other episodes on Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to shows like this. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Jenny M. Kaplan, and Lindsay's at LC Rupp. You can learn more about recycling your old clothes at wearablecollections.com. Check out the retailers in this episode at HM, at Levi's, and at Timberland. Learn more about Threads Collectors and Partnerships at ThreadINTL. Material World is produced by Magnus Henriksen and Liz Smith. The head of Bloomberg Podcast is Alec McCabe. We'll be back in two weeks. Equivalent of 196 million t-shirts, according to Help, please. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. 
title sponsor, Amazon, official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.